Are you ready? Yes. Welcome to the rings of Akaten. Oh, you okay? Have you seen her? Who? The Queen of Years. Mary Galan, and the vessel of our history. What's happening? Is that supposed to happen? Doctor! Don't walk away. Grandfather's away. Stay back. I'm armed. With a screwdriver. It's really big. I've seen bigger. Really? Are you joking? It's massive. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Kyle Jones, and I want to start by welcoming this week, Lee Shackelford. Mr. Shackelford, how are you? It is, as we record this, it is July 20th, which uh, in my family was um, long celebrated as being my, my birthday. It's not my birthday, oh. but... Uh, oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, but... Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, not that it's not, you know, celebrated, but I was like, dang it. Yeah. No, my, my birthday is uh, St. Groundhog's Day. But yeah, after July 20th, 1969, uh, it was clear to everybody else in my family that uh, I wasn't interested in February. I was interested in July 20th. So we we just sort of moved my birthday to there. <laughs> and um, wow, my mom, when I was a kid, she was um, a uh, above average hobby cake decorator. I, she she never did it professionally, but anyway, but uh, every uh, lunar landing day she would make another cake that was uh, for my for my party that was um, somehow tied into the moon and lunar landing and so on and uh, great uh-huh. stuff, great stuff. So happy memories there. Yeah, when my dad was was uh, alive, he used to wherever I was in the world, he would call me on July twentieth and wish me a happy birthday. <laughs> But yeah, here are men from the planet Earth first set foot up on the moon, July 20, 1969. We came in peace. Indeed. And you know what? I think it would be before I welcome Clarence, my friend Clarence, who's always with us and always (laughs) glad to have him with us. I want to say it's kind of cool that we're talking about this, considering that we've had our second commercial space flight today as of this recording. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and social media yeah. is just alive with people hating on Jeff Bezos and um, Richard Branson, and I, <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm stunned. I don't, yeah, I don't want to get off on that, but it, it shows a lack of understanding of the history of development of technology. I mean, it has always been millionaires yeah. and billionaires who have driven the big edge of 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 a, of a yes. um, an innovation. This is what's always happened. This isn't new, and yeah, and we all, we'd all better be damn glad that it does happen. So, well, one more thing before I move on. I just think that it has just a little hint of irony that you, my friend, are now on a podcast that is almost to 250 episodes. True. And you are talking about a time-traveling event pretty much every week. And you yourself as a child time shifted your own birthday. So I just think that's a little bit of irony. That's a good point. I like it. Yeah. Yes, indeed. But you know what's not timey-wimey? Clarence Brown. Timey-wimey is not Clarence Brown. (laughs) Clarence, how are you? 
Man, I don't know. I think I'm doing pretty well. It's so funny because we're in a month uh, that I'm both celebrating and bemoaning variants. You know, <laughs> one being Loki, of course, and the other being, uh, you know, this this coronavirus variant that's rampant at this point. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of mm. I'm, I'm well, I guess, in, in mm. spite of. <laughs> but variants so. are trouble is what. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess there are trouble yeah. most all the time. So, yeah, yeah, good point taken, point taken. But also, the the last our last episode, we were talking about Scream of the Shalka, and then uh, I didn't know that we were about to be confronted with the awesomeness of Richard E. Grant once again. Yeah. <laughs> so, glorious purpose. Wow. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but you know what is a glorious purpose? You know, but Clarence, I will say this before I say what's a glorious purpose. I will say, you know, you said you, you're bemoaning one variant, but you're celebrating another. But regardless, as always, my friend, you are someone who remains. You're like uh-huh. a he who remains. Yep. Just saying. For all time, mm. always. Yes, um, indeed. The man but you know what's the for, <laughs> But you know what's for all time and always is the fact that we have some news, and I'm going to shift this news back to Lee Shackelford, because Ooh. out today, as of this recording, I'm not sure if it came out exactly today, but as of this recording, it is out. Sarah Warner of the Girl in Space podcast also has another podcast, episode 130 of her write, as in writing, not as in left or right, <laughs> Now podcast featuring our very own Lee Shackelford. Yeah. Woohoo! Yay! And I, I just finished listening to it. It it, it did. She uh, she and I were texting this morning, and she said, "Okay, here we go." <laughs> so yeah, it, it, that's kind of this kind of what I got for my birthday this year was uh, uh, this uh, chat with uh, the Divine Sarah on uh, the Right Now podcast, and um, it's um, yeah, it's I think it's a great conversation, and not because I'm in it, but just because. She had an agenda that she wanted to, she, she had questions that she wanted to explore. And I think they're important. I think it was, a, I think it was a good, it was a meaningful conversation and not just all about, you know, me, me, But um, I, I encourage everybody. I was going to save that for my recommendation at the end of the show. But oh, uh, darn you, it. You, well, well, you know what? what? Let's do this. Mm. Let's not say how someone can go find out to listen to, <laughs> to entice people Thank you. to wait till the end. Yes. There you go. A tease? A tease. I love it. A tease, <laughs> indeed. And, and what is not a tease is the fact that I have seen pretty much all over social media that it looks like the ninth Dr. Christopher Eccleston and Rose Tyler Billy Piper will be at Dragon Con this year. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. Not just one or the other, but both. Mm. And is DragonCon still going to be in August, or did they shift it? Hmm, when is that? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's usually in August or September. No, it's usually in September. I think. It's, Isn't it the Labor Day weekend? I mean, I mean, yeah, Labor Day. No, yeah. Which one's know, in the fall? Labor Day. Yeah, that's yeah. that's Labor Day. So it's September the second through September the sixth. Yeah. So, hmm, there it is. Wow. Be here before you know but, it. But but. I also know that something is coming up, and thanks to you, Mr. Shackelford, we know about Alabama Comic Con, Captain Jack. Yeah, and John Barrowman, who uh, is not in the doghouse uh, universally, so I, for one, welcome and support the Barrowman, and uh, so I will certainly be making a point to be at uh, Alabama Comic Con. The last thing I had, and you know, a couple of 
episodes ago as of, again, this recording, but I'm not sure exactly as far as going out how many episodes ago it was. But recently, I will say, we talked about the series of Doctor Who. This was a CBR, Comic Book Resources, article talking about what was the favorite series according to IMDb. So the Hmm. top 10 worst Doctor Who episodes of the modern era. Number 10. Does anybody have any guess what number 10 may be? I want to do number 10 and number one. So any thoughts? And don't look it up. No, no. I think I may have seen this already. I know Sleep No More is on the list. It may (laughs) be number 10. Sleep No More is number 10. Yes. (laughs) Wow. So number one. What do you think is the worst Doctor Who episode of the modern era? Well, well, well can I say this before we actually announce that? Um, this list, and now I don't have it in front of me right now, but I read it a couple of days ago. It is very much skewed to Jodie Whittaker's era. Um, so for that reason, I kind of throw it out. Because <laughs> mm. I think maybe eight of the episodes on there are Chibnall slash Jody Whitaker episodes. Interesting. Yeah. No, I, I disregard polls like this just in principle. They're not, uh, they're, they're not even a, uh, there's not even a pretense that they're scientific in any way. It's just, so, <laughs> I, yeah. but I, I know, still have fun with yeah. them, especially when they, when I agree with them. So. <laughs> I, know, I know Benny is on the Benny episode is on there. Um, oh, you're good. Because Benny is number one. Number one. <laughs> well, it, it deserves the hate. And maybe I just like wanted to include this so that I would get an opportunity to say, "Are you ready?" No. Have we're you not. seen Benny? Benny. That's it. The podcast is over. Yeah, uh, we're going home. <laughs> <laughs> okay that that made my evening. So. Without further ado, for everyone listening, yes, I'm off my rocker, but here we go. If you have not seen the rings of whatever you call it, put us on pause, (laughs) go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky, too. Alrighty, we are back to review the rings of somebody tell me how to say this. Akatan. Thank you. This was the seventh episode of the 2012-2013 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 6th of April, 2013. It starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor and Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald. So, summary view, Vanessa McNamara, I'm going to start with you with a little bit of feedback that you left for us in regards to this episode. Vanessa says that this this episode is a little slow in the middle, but otherwise she liked it a lot. The speech was terrific, but she's a sucker for a good speech, and she loved the part where the doctor mentions Susan. She goes on to tell Clarence that she likes Clara and that she figures that he could use the support. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for that. So, Clarence Brown, I think you should follow up. What did you think of this episode? I really like this episode. We got a moment where Clara played a little bit of of a helping hand in this episode, which I thought was great. I came away from this episode feeling incredibly sad. (laughs) And I don't remember if I felt that way when I watched it the first time, but 
it depressed the heck out of me. And that's not to say that it wasn't good, but I was just sad at the end of it. And and, and that was very much what they were kind of the melodramatic uh, points at the very end with the speech and, and Clara's giving her special item. So, yeah, I just left this episode incredibly depressed, <laughs> which is not good. <laughs> Well, but it's it's it. no surprise when after all they're fighting, they then destroyed these people's star. So all those people are going to die. And then, yeah. so the end. <sighs> I have never thought of it like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Lee Shackelford, take it away other than killing stars. <laughs> I freaking hate this episode. This is my number one. <laughs> I, I, I thought I hated it before. And so I've watched it twice this, this last week. It burns. It burns. Wow. It bites. It itches. It freezes. Interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, as usual, I find myself somewhere in the middle here. I don't freaking hate this episode, but I quite dislike elements of it. There are hmm. things that hit good points for me that I love, specifically something that we'll get to at the end that really 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 i love that's introduced here but there are parts of this that just make me say eh. and I'm, I'm just like you just said we're going to get into it but yeah that, I, I like parts of it i dislike parts of it i think parts of it were really well done and then parts of it make me want to say benny so right. wow that, that's interesting because i don't think there was any part of this episode that i really just hated um, so I can't wait to hear. Well, um, let me help. You. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lee Shackelford, take it away. Oh, where to begin? <laughs> well, I, I love the Leaf story. I love I love beginning with Clara's parents. We get sort of an origin story for Clara, and I think that's fabulous. Beautiful. Uh, and then we go to the rings of Akatan, and we see asteroids. Well, the doctor calls them planets. They're not. So I don't know. Just any time that we're the, that he is uh, unscientific, it bugs me because <laughs> that is supposed yeah. to be who he is. Anyway, those are not planets, and we're 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 clearly in inside a storybook. Those the 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 buildings that we see, where apparently you can see from one to the other, you can even see details from one to the other. Mary and Clara, toward the end, they're looking at the doctor, who is on another planet. Anyway, it's just, <laughs> there, there's a top-down orientation. The, the buildings are built on top of the little, from our perspective. So the, the laws of nature do not apply here. There's an atmosphere that surrounds the whole system, I guess, maybe. Yeah, yeah. How close is this star? Because you can go from one of the planets to the other on a motorcycle. <laughs> You know, with without, let me add in, without any protection. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's an atmosphere around, I guess, the oh, yeah, whole right. system. <laughs> or, or we're just decided for this episode that they don't care, and that's that's sort of what I'm getting is that there's a, this is it's like a draft of a script. There's just so many things about this that just don't make any sense, and 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 not in a fun fantasy way. It's just like we'll fix that later, and then they just didn't. For some reason, none of that stuff bothered me one bit. Mm. And I'm usually the person that's very much upset when they throw away the rules. Right. But for some reason, I, I don't know. Um, 
it, it, I guess I just never thought about it after they stepped out of the TARDIS. You know, I initially thought, oh, maybe the TARDIS bubble is keeping them safe. Yeah. But after they went back in the TARDIS and went to the up to the main planet, if you want to call it a planet, yeah. the city, I kind of just forgot about it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally 100 percent agree with you on the science of the episode. It makes no sense. No. At all. Uh, and and it, it's, it's good when a story can have its own self-contained logic so that you don't get bogged down in details. But this just keeps tripping over its own rules. The doctor says he isn't carrying anything with sentimental value. He's been wearing Amy's glasses. Yes. I, you know, mm, when the, vi- when the vigil first appear, we can't tell how close they are or how far away they are from Mary and Clara. And that's just poor directing and editing. And this is a fine director. And I'm sure, I mean, this is the part of their usual editing team. How could that, we, we can't tell how much danger Clara and Mary are in because we, we can't tell if the vigil are a mile away or if they're 10 feet away. A lot of times the shot geography is like that. When we get to the, the, the planet that has um, the old God on Earth, we think it's the old God. It's really hard sometimes to figure out which direction they're even supposed to be going in. It's, yeah. it's just, just visually upsetting. And, and there's things like the, the doctor, when, when uh, Mary is being pulled off into space, okay, this is an emergency. He goes running away. Clara chases him. She says, we can't just walk away. And he stops and he gives her, he stops when we're supposed to be chasing this girl. He stops and gives Clara a quick lecture on why they don't walk away, which is what she just said. That, that's just the kind of thing where if I saw that on paper, I would get out my pencil and say, well, look, that obviously doesn't make any sense. And, but, you know, right. And yeah. And what's, <laughs> what's even worse about this sequence is they don't go and get the TARDIS. And they, they go with his yeah. motorcycle. Why? I'm like, what? Exactly. <laughs> we, we we're sure that he is running to the TARDIS. What? Yeah. It's just. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that, that right there was one of the things that I did not like because it, it gives them this opportunity for Clara to have to give up something, you know, you yeah, have to give yeah. up the ring. And I'm like, why? Well, yes. And that's actually one of my biggest beefs about this is that the idea of her having this precious thing and our understanding why it's precious, that it's full of all of her, her, her mother's, you know, unlived life. I think that's beautiful, but it's completely yeah. squandered by the first time that we have to trade for something she comes up with this ring that we haven't seen before and we don't know what the significance of it is and then the doctor sacrifices his memories except he doesn't because he's not going to lose them so that's meaningless <laughs> as as exciting as it all is on screen that doesn't even make any sense and then anticlimactically this is now the time for the leaf and it's not even clear why it's a beautiful idea but it just gets that's the only word i've got for it, it just gets squandered yeah the the leaf because because the god could not handle the infinite possibilities of the life that could have been between Clara right. and her uh, Clara's mother and her husband. Yes, and I think that's a sweet idea, but it suggests that that's not somehow true of all of the lives that the doctor has lived. If it's just one Clara leaf that destroys this being, there are thousands of of infinite possibilities of these people it's not just clara i mean i mean, I mean and no offense right. to clara yeah. in any way but why 
Clara, yes. why this one person? And I'm sorry, the doctor has at this point a thousand years of experience. I know infinite possibilities <laughs> are infinite possibilities, but wow. Yeah, I mean, really? Exactly. It, it is. It's a it's a sweet idea, but a, a little just a, another draft of the script would have polished that to where it actually made some sense. And that would have enhanced the emotional power of it. But instead, it's just, I, I, yeah, yeah. This is honestly one of those episodes where I didn't. I, I guess I. So I said this in the in the in the recent discussing Trek in a uh, review we did. I've been watching Fast Nine. My my suspension of belief <laughs> is way off track. I, I believe anything you throw at me now. Sure. So <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. You know, for all of those things we said that are bad about sort of this world building that they had, I really love the market. I love the variation of aliens that were there. Yes. So, so it was really unfortunate that they had, <clears throat> excuse me. So it was real unfortunate that they had a mishap on some of the basic science of how this atmosphere should have been in distance and geography. Whereas I feel like they did a great job of having a wide array of aliens in this market that that they went to so yeah i i definitely get what you're saying lee but on the flip side i, I love some of the other world building they did in this episode now let me say this about that mm. what you just said clarence the market reminded me a lot of if you took the babylon 5 mm -hmm. station and you took the star wars cantina or and mixed them together that's what that looked like to me you know, it was like a combo of those two things. And sounded like. I, I know that, that whole Ben Burt library of sound effects so well that I felt like this is either they either made a deal to borrow <laughs> those sounds or a sound designer for this show has done a loving recreation of, of these these sounds because I was hearing Jawas in there. I was hearing, you know, a, a lot of things from the Star Wars universe that we know. And yeah. and that that whole library of sound was there in the that marketplace, and I I, I want to know more about that. I've been I've been on the web trying to find out some more about it, but I, you know, I, <laughs> it's not coincidence. It, it feels more like homage and tribute. And, and and also I'll add like some of the things I hate in TV. Period. <laughs> I hate singing in in, in my television mm. uh, shows, but for some reason I really loved it here. I really feel like they went hard on the feeling and and low on the actual science of what's actually going on, because I, I do feel like they did a great job of trying to evoke a certain emotion, uh, hence this episode making me sad. Mm. But, yeah, once you look at the, the, the science part of it, it just doesn't hold up. And, and that doesn't bother me because this is a fantasy show anyway, you know. Well, I mean, it does bother me <laughs> but, well, when the doctor calls something a planet that isn't a planet. But um, but it's just story logic stuff that was that was was getting to me. The, what, one of the big ones as the story goes along is that we discover, aha, that isn't the old God. The old God is the star. And the girl who knows the entire history of Akatan didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. So let me add what I find as being my big thing that I did not like and no offense to the young actress that was playing this part, mm. 
but I was so irritated by the oh. character of Mary Galil. Come on, Cal. I really she wasn't, wasn't that bad, man. And it wasn't her. It was the idea of her. Hmm. The actress who did the role, she did an outstanding oh, job of the part that she had. What I didn't like was this concept of this little girl that is called the Queen of Years, who is basically sacrificed for this vampire mummy thing that I just did not like that. I wish she was older. I didn't like it being the fact that they were sacrificing a child. Well, you're not you're not supposed to like that. I mean, yeah, that that's part of the horror of it. Yeah. So I thought you were saying that the character that that's no, her, no, that's no, her no, situation. No. Yeah, well, well, her situation then. Okay. I wish that would have been, an, the queen would have been at the very youngest, 17 or 18. Mm. I just didn't like the sacrificing of the child. Oh, yeah. So it's not the, the, the character as in the age and the child. It's like you just said, one of you, the circumstances surrounding. Yeah. No, I just I saw the the sacrifice slash offering thing coming a mile away. Yeah. Of course, they're chasing <laughs> her through the market. Right. <laughs> oh, and, and later on, we'll find that she can apparently mobilize people with her mind or something. <laughs> and why she didn't do that when the people were chasing her is an open. Is just we'll throw that on the heap <laughs> of utter failures of logic in this script. But I will say I did love how we have this moment of. Clara is playing mini doctor and mm. attempting to to save this girl only for the horror of what's going to happen to her next. You know, it's just this thing of she's saving her, but she doesn't know she's sending her to her doom by saving her. So I, I really love that in this episode. And and she means nothing but good. I mean, yeah, it's it just Clara's um, compassion and it's, it's heroism. And I thought it was so very much like the beast below. Right. Yes. We're, yes. Which, of course, was Amy's first trip out with the doctor. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> this is what happens mm -hmm. when you go out with the doctor the first time. You're going to say, well, let's not get involved unless the little girl's crying. And, uh, but you know what? I will go one step further and to say that I think Clara did it better. I think Clara did a better job of establishing that compassionate figure Mm. And, and she seemed more mature, in my opinion, than Amy did in that first trip out with the doctor. Yeah. She, she is just more mature than Amy. Um, and, and I think that's a deliberate part of the, the writing of these characters. But, uh, yeah, I agree. She she does a better she does a better job at it. She, she has worked with kids before. Right. True. So Mary, by the way, here is played by Amelia Jones who is 11 years old here. And that was eight years ago. Sue, she's 19 now. And the star of a film coming out this August called Coda. And I encourage people mm. to go look at the trailer because I think it looks amazing. It is, it's not a spoiler to, to well, because <laughs> I'm saying go look at the trailer, but it is about her singing. So I have to think that one of the reasons she's cast is that's really her singing. Oh, wow. Was, and she had beautiful voice. Fantastic and uh, extraordinary for an 11 year old, the specificity of it. So, uh, yeah, she's she's making a movie. Uh, Coda, it, you may know, is a, a, a child of deaf adults. And so in the film, she's going to be the, the only hearing person in a whole family 
who don't hear and who communicate through sign language. And she has a gift of music. She sings. Oh, wow. So she wants to leave the deaf world for the, the hearing world. Yeah, just in the trailer, you can see she's she's just a knockout. She's fantastic. So anyway, so go Emilio is what I was saying. Yeah. Awesome. How dare you, Cal? Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't want her well, sacrificed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. See? And that way, you know, we can go on and do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, another thing I did not like, I did not like the fact that the old god or the mummy vampire or whatever it was, was being referred to, or at least I interpreted it as being referred to as grandfather. I just did not like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and since we got the the quick remark about uh, the doctor having been there before with his granddaughter, it, it, it seems like that's being done on purpose to somehow yeah. equate this monster with the doctor. And I don't, yeah, I just said, why? I couldn't wrap my head around the things that I didn't like about this episode because I found that the whole thing up to the doctor's speech as things that make me say that this is probably only the maybe third time I've seen this episode. Hmm. The speech, however, I've seen the speech probably 50 times easily. Well, you and Vanessa both the, mentioned the speech, but I don't know which one you mean, the I think she, well, I mean the one where he's talking about, I have been in where the laws of physics were oh, devised right, by right, a right. madman. Yeah, yeah, the take my memories yeah. thing, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, right. amazing speech. It's great. Amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The one tear, I mean, Matt Smith, he, he, he showed out. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It, it's a great oh. delivery. But then it's one of the ways in which this script just falls apart for me, is that then he has to sort of top himself with less ammunition when he makes more speech about Clara's leaf. And it, it just, it feels so false and so forced. Even Matt Smith can't make it work because he's already used it up. We've already had the climax of this episode and it's that speech. Mm. It's just, uh, but I also felt like it was Clara making her mini speech as well. Right. I mean, def definitely not as grand as the doctors, but yeah. um, she stepped up to, to do her best Matt Smith. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, while we're talking about um, Clara, I just got to say, I, I, I defy anybody to watch this 45 minutes of television and not see that, that Jenna Louise Coleman is an astounding performer. Oh, just, so good. I, I, when I was watching it this, this last time, it just struck me again. We, we open after the titles, we open on, just on a shot of her sitting on the steps and she's listening to the sound of the TARDIS arriving. And there's a whole story that goes by on her face. Of well, here he comes. Should I should I act excited? Should I? Maybe I shouldn't even do this. You know, maybe. I don't, and she smiles. It's like okay, I'm doing this. You know, yes. I, I, she's amazing. Also, the moments when, when he asks her where does she want to go, <laughs> and she kind of just thinks of a few places. Oh, something awesome yeah. or somewhere awesome. It's it's just, fun that she doesn't know. <laughs> she just can't. Think of it. Uh, and then she makes a good point. You know, you have a million things about what your favorite movie is until somebody asks That's you. That's right. And then you have, yeah. you're, you're speechless. And oh, so such good writing right there. That is a lovely bit. Yeah. yeah. So what I liked about that was this is a moment that establishes Clara Oswald, meaning it it establishes her as her own independent, I'm yeah. not 
you know, no foreshadowing or whatever, but I am who I am. And that's what I liked about it. Yeah. I liked that not, not necessarily puts the doctor in his place, but just basically says, these are my terms. Mm-hmm. Take them or leave them. Something was pointed out to me by uh, another fan and um, about this, and I, I kind of said, I don't think that's right. So I had to go look it up. They're right. Um, significance of the day Clara's mom dies? Mm, I know, but would you like to share? It's the Auton invasion. That's it's that's it's March fifth, two thousand five, in Rose. So, wow. so Clara's mom may have been killed by the Autons. Indeed. Now that's mm. some wibbly wobbly timing. Yeah, which means the doctor, arguably, is well, he's not responsible, but anyway, he's been involved with her <laughs> even before he knew he was. What do we think about the doctor? going through Clara's life to figure out why she's impossible. You mean who's stalking who? Yeah. She, that, that's one of the things that troubled me about this is that it, it felt, it felt creepy that she was accusing him of being a stalker, but also really clumsy because when she says you were there, you were at my mom's grave, you were watching where in the world does she get that from? It just seems like she snatches that out of the air and turns it into an accusation. I just, I, it, everything about that just feels wrong to me. And I, she, she, if she has a legitimate reason to know that, then she's got, then she's, uh, I defend her right to be wondering about that. You know, <laughs> why are you been following me around my whole life? That's cre- yeah. That's creepy. But, but if she starts thinking, you know, think about it though, real quick. If you start thinking, I was a little child and I remember this man coming mm-hmm. and being there there is a um web episode a little brief thing that, you, that i remember was on the web that was him and her talking and uh, on a swing set when she was a child yeah and there's other times that we've seen so maybe she sees them out of the peripheral just in seeing and thinking wow this and then realizes that he's a time traveler and said this person oh, yeah. that i remember uh, that's you. Maybe it was just kind of putting it all in her head and she just kind of put it together. Yeah, I thought it was the ring that jogged her memory. The 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 ring oh. and thinking of her mother and, and going back to the, the grave the grave site yeah. that we saw. It And and I thought that that he gave her the ring after that, so yeah, so sequence mm. would be important there, but I don't oh. Well, I'll tell you this, regardless of sequence of when they had that conversation, the fact that he went back to the point to where the leaf fell that basically created the circumstance that created Clara is creepy. (laughs) With his uh, comic book. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. So so we're just glad that we didn't get the shot of him up in the tree. Uh, pushing that leaf off of the <laughs> now that would have been creepy <laughs> got to time this just right <laughs> okay so gentlemen i don't know if i have anything else to say after that uh, i do have one other thing before we get into our favorite scene and favorite quote but I want to know, do either of you have anything? And let's swing it first to the positive, Clarence Brown. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have anything additional to add. All right. 
Lee Shackelford. Uh, why is the TARDIS not translating for Clara? Yes. Uh, it is one of the things that's interesting about this script. And I, and I, I sense Stephen Moffat's hand in the, the final draft of doing things like this because they'll be important later on. But is that our first hint that the TARDIS doesn't like her? Well, the, he wouldn't let her. I mean, the, the TARDIS wouldn't let her in. Yeah. But so before that, and she doesn't know that to expect uh, all of these uh, different races to be intelligible to her. But the doctor doesn't notice it either. He doesn't, he doesn't notice that she's not understanding what they're saying. He's there translating mm. for her. One of those races in the marketplace is the Hulavu. That's yet another Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference in uh, Doctor Who. Um, I love the doctor saying, um, not money, something valuable. So just that whole concept gets introduced that way. Oh, what else? Uh, I, I, I could just, I got a list of just plot logic questions. And yeah, you've already heard me so, vent about that. But a, a question real quick. So we know the doctor has talked to a horse as well as a baby. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. wouldn't by proxy Amy as well as Roy should have been able to talk to. The, well, they weren't in that episode. They were in the horse episode, though. They so so they should. I'm confused. Maybe some species that can't translate. Maybe I don't. Hmm. Yeah, maybe that's maybe it's telepathic. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's right. Maybe you have to be a actual Gallifreyan to do, to do that. But yeah, that would have made uh, having a baby very interesting if uh, uh, Amy and Rory always knew what uh, Melody was thinking or saying. Um, Spoilers. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. There's a quote from Alice through the looking glass. I like that. Yeah, the doctor makes his whole speech to tell Mary that she's special. We knew that. Surely we knew that already, didn't we? <laughs> she's the queen of the eight. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I don't get that. Um, the, the editing cuts on the doctor when he's doing the business of crossing his hearts so that we can't see it. That, that's one of the things that makes me think, did the editor just mess all this up? Because that's a weird cut. Clara asks Mary if she knows a song that can get them out. And Mary says, wait a minute, I do. Well, for some reason, she never thought of that before now. <laughs> I don't, uh, I, whatever. There's a very secret song that I can sing to open the door. Right. Well, why didn't you mention that? To yeah, never mind. Um, the doctor says to Clara, off you pop, which is uh, a line that we'll, we'll hear back uh, in the future. <clears throat> um. Uh, just the way that scooter thing was handled every time it was taking off or landing, it just, it just looks terrible. And uh, then there's the shot of it going through space, but there's no taking off or landing with it mishandled. And another one of the things I just don't understand, even though think about all those, those uh, different, uh, we shall say people who are out there in the arena, right? At one point their stellar system is falling apart. Their gods have been defied. There's explosions in the sky and they're all still just sitting there. Hey, this is a once in a thousand year event. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe this is got nowhere nowhere better to go. You gonna... <laughs> They've been waiting a long I'm time. Gonna see this. It. But it's not going according to plan. That's not. <laughs> I mean, when the star is you know, expanding and contracting like that, anyway, it's just. But the yeah. stars are going out, and that's there must be something that they can do. <laughs> well, and that's the big thing is that it, it, it visually, at least. We see the star collapse, and then we uh, we cut to uh, the doctor taking Clara home. I, 
<laughs> I guess all those people are going to die now. Sorry. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh, that is just good. Uh, Bad, but good. I just, uh, freaking hate this episode. Be a long winter. Just, uh, <laughs> <the> le- <laughs> winter is here. And the last one, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the the Game of Thrones Doctor Who crossover. I have a I have an explanation. All of the the people beyond the wall that was the frozen people, they were all of these beings from the rings of Akazan, yeah, of the Great Pumpkin Planet, right. and they all came to Westeros. Well, there obviously they have an invisible atmosphere that we can't see that is protecting them. So it doesn't matter if they have a sun or not. I just guess, saying. yeah. That that <laughs> makes as much sense as anything else here. But. Well, then I know how they got to Westeros then in their invisible jet. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Wow. You crossed a lot of stories right. there. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we talking about again? <laughs> All right. Well, let me say this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna end this on a positive before we get into our favorite scene, favorite quote. This does introduce something that I really, really, really like, which is a theme by Murray Gold called Infinite Potential. Hmm. This goes on to be paired with another set of music that is paired at the very end of the 11th Doctor's run, which is, um, I can't remember at this moment, but I do know Infinite Potential. I love it, and I think it's awesome. So it is introduced in this episode. So for that alone, I'm, I'm like positive about. Yeah. So, gentlemen, favorite scene. And Clarence, I'm going to start with you. Favorite scene. Oh, man. Now, this is such a cute scene. <laughs> um, the, the, the scene when... Clara is with Mary and they're trying to avoid the vigil. I think that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of like doing some, you know, sneaking around <laughs> and they go to the TARDIS, but can't get in. Or maybe they were around some corner. I can't remember. And she's just like pretending that she's just like there standing doing nothing. And she's whistling. Yeah. And she does this slight hand gesture. Like you see on every other movie when somebody's like, Oh, just chilling here. Yep. You know, that was so little, cute. Little, I just, little half salute. Yes. It, oh my God. Just me. I love that. Yep. I love that scene so much. <laughs> All right. Lee Shackelford. Um, I really, really love the scene with the, what? My internet is cutting in out. So. No, you're good. Okay. So favorite scene, Lee Shackelford. Ah, uh, I really, really love the doctor meeting a six-year-old Clara and her parents. Um, and he gets the ball bounced into him. Uh, he can't have planned that, I don't think. <laughs> so, no. so he comes out, you know, with karate pose. <laughs> no. But it, it is—it's just a very sweet scene. Um, and, and baby Clara, that casting of Baby Clara—that's kind of amazing, isn't it? I mean, yeah, she looks like Jenna Coleman. <laughs> yeah, great casting. So it's lovely. very great. But it is—it's just a lovely scene all around. So. All right. So my favorite scene would have to be, it would be the episode, I mean, excuse me, the scene with the doctor's speech, even though within the larger story, it doesn't quite hold the water, so to speak. But I love Matt Smith's acting in that scene. So that's going to be my favorite scene. 
So favorite quote, I'll actually start with the favorite quote, and it actually comes from Clara. And it is when she says, if you want me to travel with you, that's fine. But as me, I'm not a bargain basement stand-in for someone else. I'm not going to compete with a ghost. I, I just love it. I thought that was well acted. And that is my favorite quote. Did, did Martha Lee Jones Shack- ever get to say anything like that? I can't remember. But you always I don't think you so. Always feel but like she should. She have. should have. Yeah. Anyway, she did say something similar when she was leaving. You know where she's saying right. this is me getting out. Yeah. Mm. Nicole will remember. So, yes, indeed. And shout out to Nicole. Nicole, how are you? Yeah. We'll get you back on this show sooner or later. We, uh... Yes, indeed. Okay, but, if but... we have to move time and space, because <laughs> you know we can do it. But uh, yeah, yes. favorite line. I love uh, this moment of confronting the uh, the locked door uh, and the screw- <laughs> the screwdriver. And uh, Clara says, "So can you open it?" And the doctor says, "Technically, no. In reality, <laughs> also no. But still, let's give it a stab." <laughs> As he calls it a spanner, too. Yes, yeah, screwdriver. <laughs> so mine comes from the scene which they should have went to the TARDIS, but they went for this motorcycle thing, but. But Claire asks, why are you walking away? Listen, there is one thing you need to know about traveling with me. Well, there's one thing apart from the blue box and the two hearts. We don't walk away. Love that quote. Although it made no sense what they did thereafter, but yeah. the quote was good. And why, why stop to back up what she just said? Let's go. <laughs> I don't, don't understand. All right. <laughs> Clarence Brown, I want to start with you. Clarence Brown? What would you give as a final rating? I think I'm a little more positive on this episode than you guys are. Of course, there are huge flaws with logic of how things work, but they just had me with the heartstring stuff. And of course, seeing some of the background with Clara's parents, I thought was really well done. And, um, you know, I I love the speech at the very end. I thought it was amazing. I love Mary in this episode. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic, and I thought Clara did a great job. We'll end about three three point five, but but yeah, I I I, I enjoyed it still. Okay, <laughs> so it's three point five. How many is of what? Oh, I always forget three point five. Uh, badly CG motorcycles <laughs> roaming through space. Yep. <laughs> All right, so. Lee Shackelford, I can't wait. So I'm just going to ask Lee Shackelford, what say you? I spent some time trying to think of what the right object would be. And then then it hit me and I said, oh, but that's perfect. Of course. I'm going to give it one of those glowing blue fruit balls that Clara didn't like because I don't like it either. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Ooh. And you know what? I had originally planned to say 2.75 infinite potential <laughs> out of five mm-hmm. but i'm going to hold that and change it and amend it because of what happened in this episode and i'm going to change it to 2.75 getting to hear lee shackleford say i absolutely hate this <laughs> fill in the blank out of five so there you exactly. go exactly I don't think I've heard those words since Batman Martha. Superman. Martha. Not. <laughs> Indeed. Martha. Episode number four of Discussing Who. <laughs> wow. Way back when. Back in the day. Yeesh. I absolutely hate this movie. We're getting on for our 250th episode, gentlemen. Indeed we are. Wow. Believe it or not. 
Yeah. Milestone cometh. Yeah. So, gentlemen, I want to ask one final question, not 250 final (laughs) questions, but just one. And that would be, where else might you be found on the Internet? Lee Shackelford. I think you have something to tell us about from the very beginning of this episode. <laughs> Let me point people towards Sarah Werner's website. Uh, it's spelled sarahwerner.com, S-A-R-A-H-W-E-R-N-E-R. And uh, that links to all of her, her many amazing things. But, uh, but look for the Right Now podcast, episode 130, which is a, a conversation between uh, Sarah and myself. And she has named the episode Dormant Creativity. So awesome. if that doesn't intrigue you, I don't know what will. Anyway, there it is. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to listen, but I also can't wait to hear what Clarence Brown has to say. So, Mr. Brown, go for it. I will just double down on what Lee just said, because that's what I'm going to be checking out mm. as soon as this podcast is over. So check Lee out. Mm. So if you would like to check out both Clarence and Lee, and if you would like to hear the Relativity podcast in its entirety, then I would encourage you to binge the complete story of Relativity at relativitypodcast.com, which if you would like to listen to last episode, hopefully you did with the scream of Shalka. I had a new bumper that I was so proud of creating my very self that combines Olivia from Oz9 and Nadia from Relativity. And I just had so much fun with that. It's, so, it's, it's really cute. It is adorable. So, Saying Oz9 reminds me, I should also encourage people, uh, if you're not aware that uh, if you're a fan of Oz9, that they have wrapped up the third season with a spectacular hour-long episode and um which is a very good episode although there's not enough pluto in it <laughs> but um no so apart from that but uh i, 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 I think he was off getting trees he's, he's getting trees he's getting his hands stuck in the candy machine again but uh I, I wasn't sure whether to mention this at the beginning of this episode but here we are at the end and i gotta say this that kyle was hesitant to say akatan at the beginning of this episode and I, it kind of likes to put on this 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 thing sometimes this uh, character who who can't pronounce things. You you got to listen to Oz Nine episode sixty if only to hear Kyle Jones do this marathon of reading <laughs> credits with a lot of difficult to pronounce names and to do it at breakneck speed, <laughs> tag yeah. teaming with Richard Nadaldi, <laughs> which was just, so much fun by just, the way. Anyway, I if if I had a hat on, I would take it off. I would rise to give you a Sergeant Benton salute because that was amazing. Well, well that, that means a lot coming from you, my friend, I have to say. But yes, uh, I did have fun. Just all jokes aside, that was so much fun to do. Richard is awesome to work with. Shannon does a great job editing it together. And I had so much fun recording that. So, yes, thank you, Lee. I really, really appreciate that. And with that, everyone, thank you for listening. You did not have to be here. We're glad that you are. Thank you for spending time with us. Let us know, did you like this episode? Were we totally wrong? Were we wrong and Clarence was right? Or was it a combo? Let us know what you think. And we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.